It is the last episode of the week, and it cannot come any quicker. I've just been very busy this week with a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and it's just getting crazy out there. My name is John Crump. I'm the Virginia Director for Gun Owners of America, and I'm an investigative journalist concentrating on 2A issues. I keep the ATF and check for you. And now we are brought to you by Tusk. Tusk is the gun-friendly cryptocurrency. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet. With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. Most definitely, if you haven't checked out Tusk, you should check out Tusk because with the government agencies cracking down, they're going to be outlawing purchasing guns online i also have a patreon patreon.com slash john crump where you can help support the show i have a join button below so hit that join button and join the uh crumpy militia all right with that said let's go ahead and move on to my guest my guest is a guy i've been wanting to have on the show for a while while he is a two-way activist and author and was on NRA TV. But, and he's also a frequent guest on uh, Sean Hannity. Let me bring him on. His name is Dan Walsh. What is up, Dan? Hey, John. How are you? Thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I've been trying to get in touch with you for a while. I got in touch with you through Instagram, and now you are here. All right. So the, the big... Uh, I guess thing in the room. You were on NRA TV, right? I, I was on, yeah, I was on NRA TV several times with uh, with Cam Edwards, uh, Grant Stinchfield, and uh, Dana Lash. Yeah, so you're on with those guys. How'd you get hooked up with those guys? Wow, that's a good question. I don't, I don't quite remember. Um, I think, I think one of the producers contacted me through an article I may have written or something like that. Uh, I think it may have initially been Grant Stinchfield's producer contacted me and uh, asked me if I wanted to be on the show. Of course I did. And then after I did Grant's show a couple of times, um, we end up going on Cam Edwards' show and Dana Lash's show. So it, it, stuff like that kind of snowballs. You know, once once your, your name kind of gets out there, um, then everybody wants to kind of pick you up and, and have you on the show. And it's a great thing. And I'm really appreciative of, of it, you know. Yeah, cause I've noticed you on several different shows, uh, whether it's Dana Lash's show, Cam's show, or Grant's show. I've noticed that you were on there just wondering how you got hooked up with those guys. All right. One thing I do want to talk about before we talk about anything else is good guy, uh, good gun, bad guy. What exactly does that title mean? Well, that's, that's a great question. Not many people ask that question. It's very important. The title is is very important, and I was very specific when I wrote the title. Uh, what it means is guns are good and people can be bad. So we always hear the this is the this is the thing that people don't don't understand, and this is a big piece of the anti gun propaganda um, is the term gun violence. 
we hear this term all the time. And what, what, it, what it's designed to do is create kind of a kind of a, an imagery of violent guns and, and an idea that it's the gun that causes the violence. Well, the truth is there's no such thing as gun violence. Gun violence doesn't exist. What we should be talking about is human violence. And the problem with, with talking about human violence for the gun grabbers on the left is that they don't, they don't want to talk about human violence because they understand that the policies that they support are often the cause of human violence. We can talk about gang-related stuff. We can talk about um, poverty, inner city, uh, inner city violence, where guns are restricted so good people can't protect themselves. We can also talk about um, open borders, which Biden is doing again since Obama. They they love their open borders, but what that does is it brings a lot of a lot of violence. We could talk about rampant drug use. You know, we could talk about sanctuary cities, which again Biden wants to do more of. These are all Democrat policies that cause violence in our society, um, but they don't want to talk about that. So what they do is they redirect the focus from human behavior and their policies, and they redirect that focus over to guns. So they use the term gun violence. Like I said, gun violence doesn't exist. So what I wanted to do with my book series is I wanted to make that clear right up front. Guns are good. It's the bad guys that we need to be concerned with. And we know guns are good because we know that two and a half million times per year in America, guns are used to save lives. They're called defensive gun uses, DGUs. And it was a, it was a, we know this because of a study by Gary Kleck, who was a Florida criminologist. This study was also backed up by CDC data that the CDC didn't want to release, but eventually did. We know that there's two and a half million uh, defensive gun uses per year in America. And we also know because of these studies that 46% of those are by women. In other words, women are almost half of the, of the times people use guns to defend themselves. Now you gotta remember this, DGUs, defensive gun uses are never, are not always actually good guys killing bad guys. It's most often just the mere presence of a gun uh, will deter a, a violent crime. So the point I'm trying to get make with all this is that guns save more lives than a bypass surgery uh, in America, believe it or not. And so guns are good. Guns have always been good and they've always been on the positive side of saving lives. That's why cops have them. That's, that's why we use them for defense. So guns are good. It's the bad guys that we need to be concerned with. That's why the book series that I wrote is called Good Gun, Bad Guy. All right. I, I got that. I, I got that point, and I totally agree with you. In fact, if you look over in Europe, they have something that's called knife violence. Yeah. Once they got rid of the guns, they moved the term to knives, and now right. they're trying to ban knives in, like the, in the UK. Right. So my question. So my next question is, do you think that they are ignorant of all the stats that says guns are used more 
and self-defense than in crime? Or do you think they willingly willingly overlook that fact? It's half and half. I, I, well, maybe it's not quite half and half. I'm not sure exactly what the ratio is. But there, I, there are two different types of people on the anti-gun side that I, I call the anti-gunners. They're the people who believe that more gun restrictions will will prevent violence. And so they're the ones who blindly kind of go along with the narrative and listen to what CN, CNN and MSNBC have to say about this. So they'll follow along because they don't know much about guns typically, and they usually aren't gun owners, and they're typically scared of guns to begin with. So they will go along thinking that more gun restrictions will lead to less, you know, less deaths and less violence. So there's a big, there's a good portion of those people. They're anti-gunners. I call them anti-gunners. They don't necessarily want the Second Amendment to to go away, but they they wouldn't they wouldn't care so much if if guns magically disappeared. So they're the anti-gunners. They just kind of follow along and do what they're told and believe what they're told. Uh, the anti-Second Amendment radicals, however, they're the ones who know exactly what the truth is. They read these studies. These are people who are involved with, let's say, Moms Demand Action, Every Town, and a lot of these anti-gun lobbying groups, and a lot of people in Congress. They know the studies, they know the statistics, but they, for political reasons, they don't want guns in the hands of American citizens. And so, 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 so to answer the question, it's both, it's both. Some of them, some of them don't know and, and just want guns to go away because they're, they're ignorant. And, and some of them know exactly what they're doing and they're trying to ban guns. So, uh, for political purposes. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I do think that, that they have a fundamental hatred for guns. Yeah. Now in, in your book, you write about the defensive uses of guns or what exactly do you write about in your book? I primarily talk about the, the anti-gun propaganda strategies and tactics that are used in the media. So, so, but, but not only the tactics and strategies, I talk a lot about the mindset of the anti-gun people you know, like what they think and, and how they think and why they think that way and why they're so scared of guns. And, and, you know, a big thing, I just made a note here because I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. One of the big strategies that you'll read about in the Good Gun, Bad Guy book series is fear and hate. These are two of the strongest human emotions. And the anti-gun crowd has figured out a way to use fear and hate against those who can't really think for themselves when it comes to the topic of guns. This is why you mentioned you mentioned hate, your hatred for for guns. I I agree there's a lot of people who hate guns, but but I would also suggest that there's more people who fear guns than hate them. It's gun owners that they've been conditioned to hate. So so here we have two of the strongest human emotions, fear and hate, and they're used through the media, through propaganda, and through politics to, to condition people to fear guns because they already don't know a lot about them. Now, when you don't know about something, you're generally, uh, you, you can generally be more fearful of the thing. Once you get that information, like, and for instance, once people go to the range for the first time and they shoot, they 
they they realize that eh, these guns aren't aren't so scary after all once you understand them. And as a matter of fact, most people who go to the range for the first time have a great time. So the fear goes away when you get more knowledge and more experience. So what they do is they try to keep people in a perpetual state of fear by keeping the 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 knowledge away from them, keeping them away from the range, making them despise this whole gun ownership thing. And it, and it makes them not want to learn about guns. And if they do learn about guns, it's really just to collect data so they can argue their points. So fear of guns is one of the things that the anti-gun left um, conditions into people. But a hatred toward gun owners is also part of the part of the formula. So a hatred toward gun owners means they convince their people the anti-gunners, um, that gun owners are out there running around like the Wild West and, and, and you know, being, uh, being reckless and intentionally putting people in danger. And, and a lot of these anti-gunners believe this stuff because they don't know any better. They watch their six o'clock news and that's the stuff that they get. So fear and hate are two of the things I talk about in Good Gun, Bad Guy, the book series. Um, but, but so much more. That just scratches the surface. There's so many interesting things in, in this book series that we can learn about the anti-gun crowd and about this whole argument we have in defending our Second Amendment. So there's tons of stuff. Uh, yeah, one of the things I wanted to bring up is uh, you, pro you probably remember that. Maybe some people out there might be a little bit too young, but before the are you saying I'm old? <laughs> no, well, I, just yeah, I, you're probably around my age, so <laughs> I consider myself old. I'm pretty old. Uh, one of the things was when they started uh, the whole they started a a, a false narrative when South Carry really started picking up steam around the country that the streets were going to run uh, red with blood and you know everyone's going to start shooting each other and it's going to be like the wild west and there's going to be shootouts everywhere right and none of that really happened no it doesn't because gun owners are some of the most responsible respectable people on the planet and whether the anti-gunners and the left wants to realize that i go i go all over the country and i meet gun owners from everywhere and i speak at events and and i've been i've been all over the place and meeting people and talking to people. And I got to tell you, I mean, some gun owners are really some of the most respectable and responsible people um, that you could ever, that you could ever meet. And that, that term wild West is really something that they, they, the anti-gun left does want you to, to, to envision. So, so the propaganda, a big part of propaganda is envisioning things. It's, it's giving you information so you can conjure up visuals of things this is this is i mean they use this in marketing and advertising all the time so wild west is a great one because when we say the words wild west just like gun violence you know when we say these words wild west we envision people having shootouts you know the shootouts at high noon you know but what they really want you to think is that they're going to be shootouts in the produce section 
or shootouts because of road rage or shootouts as soon as you walk out of your house and you go into the mall or public places. They want you to envision this happening all the time and all over the place so people so people can can really become fearful of guns in our society. See, that's the thing. It's making them envision something that they can easily easily envision and something that's also that also scares the hell out of them. And the the term wild west, that'll do it for people who don't know any better. Yeah, and I don't know if you if you are a student of history, but the wild west wasn't a bunch of shootouts. Right. <laughs> shootouts was exceedingly rare in right. the wild west. Well, that's true. And that's a good point, but people don't know that. People think it's the, the, the other way around, but yeah, good point. Yeah, and what I think they do is they try to take all this stuff that's exceedingly rare and they try to make it seem like it is like an everyday experience that is happening everywhere and, it, and it's an epidemic. They use the word epidemic a lot. Oh, yeah. You always hear there's an epidemic of gun violence. If you go and search epidemic of gun violence, you see millions of hits. Oh, I know. No, I know it's crazy. You can't go on Google and and try to get uh, you know accurate gun related information. It's tough because they really they've really compromised um, the 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 data, the information. You know, there you can find tons of studies uh, gun related studies but you're never going to find at the, on the first couple pages studies by you know NRA or gun owners of America or second amendment foundation you're not going to find studies by Gary Kleck uh, by um by Gary Kleck uh, I'm sorry not Gary Kleck you're not going to find studies by John Lott I'm thinking of Gary why did I say Gary Kleck oh Gary <laughs> Gary Kleck oh. I'm I mix it up a couple different names yeah yeah you have a uh... <laughs> The the Kleck study, the Kleck study, right? Um, but you're not going to find, you're not going to find like the the John Lott studies, the the Kleck studies, uh, the actual information, the the truthful information. You're going to find stuff that's funded by Bloomberg studies that were funded by Bloomberg, published in the Huffington Post, and you know fact checked by. Snopes. That's the stuff you're going to find. So when people go on Google and they try to find gun-related studies, that's the stuff they're going to find. And then they come back and they think they know what they're talking about. And they say, well, you know, guns are dangerous because of this, this, and this. But they're they're reading studies that are just fabricated to push the anti-gun uh, narrative. And that that's a that's a real problem. Even even other website, other search engines, uh, you know, it's hard to find really good, solid information out there. Yeah, uh, Dan, uh, sorry, uh, John Petrolano says your perspective on the anti-gun versus uh, anti-freedom is one that needs to be embraced by the two A community. And he also brings up that, uh, like, anti-gun policies are anti-civil rights policies. Yeah, and thanks, John. Thanks for that. And John's got a great book out too. You should check out his book. Yeah, yeah, decoding um, firearms. That's right. I have it. <laughs> yeah, and, and John's John's a, a a great voice in the Second Amendment community. So thank you, John. Um, perspective 
uh, anti-gun versus <clears throat> anti-freedom. And it's exactly that. I mean, anti-gun is anti-freedom because the only thing that keeps us free is that Second Amendment. And that's the thing that made us free in the first place was the ability to have firearms and defend ourselves and and break away to create our own uh, society. Yeah, guerrillas and guns says <clears throat> it's brainwashing and it's definitely a form of brainwashing out there. In oh, fact, absolutely. I was I was talking to somebody who was like very anti-gun, a mom's demand action type person. And they were talking about how suppressors are used and, and crimes and stuff like that. I'm like, no, they're not. It was like suppressors aren't really used in crimes at all. They're actually <laughs> protect your hearing and it doesn't make a gun quiet. And she was like, oh, yes, it does. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. But let me send you this episode of Mythbusters where they talked about suppressors and they showed how suppressors worked and everything else like that. And she's like, and she watched it and she's like, oh, that's um, pro-gun propaganda. I was like, it's myth, it's Mythbusters. <laughs> well, you know, as far as suppressors go, I did, you know, I can't remember the exact numbers. I wish I had the statistics in front of me, but um, suppressors really don't quiet a gun that that much. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, I did the decibel research on this, and I think um, even with a suppressor, an AR-15 is still louder than a Ted Nugent concert. Yeah, it is. And so, so it it takes it down a notch to help your protect your hearing, but. Uh, it's not like you see in the movies where it sounds like a, a, a BB gun or something. It's like just pew pew. Yeah, exactly. The, oh, they love the sound of it. You got to love the sound effects they use, right? Yeah. yeah what, I wonder how that came to be. I, I try to research how they determined that was the sound that they were going to use the suppressors. <laughs> it's all the same sound, but I can't find it. So what I'm doing right now, this might be a little bit geeky. I'm trying to track down the first movie that use that sound and then once I get that I can do some research and try to contact some people and try to figure out why that sound is being used not that I'm going to do anything with this information but it's just something that I want <laughs> to know well it, you know the thing is they, they'll use guns in movies what was that Jamie Lee Curtis movie where the oh, where the gun was true lies was it was it bouncing down the stairs what was that what was that was, was that true lies yeah okay so the gun is bouncing down the stairs, right? And as it's bouncing down the stairs, it's spraying bullets. Every time it hits a step, it's spraying bullets and it's killing all the bad guys. It was the perfect thing. So when I saw it, I go, oh my God, these people really have a way of giving you visuals to show you that guns have a mind of their own. You know, it, it was just, it's just so funny to us because we watch this stuff. And we go, this is absolutely crazy. But don't forget, there are stupid people out there who believe it. And this is this is what we have to try to help them see, is that guns don't act on their own. Guns don't bounce downstairs and spray bullets and kill all the all the people. And you know, it's just it's just a bunch of a bunch of nonsense. And and guns don't make people do bad things, which is another ridiculous notion that anti-gunners have. They they believe that if somebody has a gun, they're going to be likely to do a bad thing and hurt people with it. 
And that's that's just that's one of those. In other words, you know, if you're going to go out, somebody's going to go out and kill someone, but now they can't get their hands on a gun. So they'll just go do their laundry. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. Guns don't make people do bad things. People inherently will will do bad things for whatever their their reason is uh, with or without a gun. And we know this by looking at some of the numbers in some countries um, who have completely banned the ownership of guns. After the Australian gun ban, we noticed that violence didn't go down. It just didn't. They used, used other means. And same with suicides. People say, you know, well, if we get rid of guns, you know, there'll be less suicides. No, it's not true. People, actually, Australia suicides went up after the gun ban. Look at Japan. Yeah. I mean, it's so, here's the thing. The, they want you desperately to believe that guns are the cause of the problem when in reality, guns in the right hands save more lives um, than, than anything. As a matter of fact, when you look at places like Chicago, some of the Newark, some of the bad cities around this country with the highest violent rates, it's, it's in those places where people are unarmed and helpless because they can't protect themselves. So that's where the bad guys go. You disarm a society or even a, a portion of society, that's where the bad guys are going to go because they know they have no opposition. This is not rocket science. And I hope we I hope we're able to convince some of the anti-gunners of some of this, some of this common sense. Yeah, you are definitely 100 percent right. Uh in Virginia, for example, they are trying to require background checks at gun ranges to prevent suicides because there was two suicides at gun ranges. Yeah, I just I, I didn't know about that, but you know, the thing is there's if people want to commit suicide, a horrible thing, there's there are other issues going on. And like I said with with um oh well here's another example of suicides and how they relate to guns. Um there was a study uh, that that compared London and New York City, and the the violence in in London exceeded New York City, but they didn't use guns. They used knives because they they didn't have guns. So it, so that none of the none of the gun stuff matters. You can take guns completely out of the equation, and people are still going to do the same things unfortunately, than that they would have done anyway. So um, so suicides, same thing. If, if people don't have a gun and they want to commit suicide, they're going to find another way. Yeah, they treat guns like they are like the ring from the Lord of the Rings that you put it on and it automatically <laughs> makes you an evil. It's like they control your mind and get in there and turn you into like a killing machine. That, that's and that's what they want people to think who don't know any better. And it's really sad because I, I get in the conversations not so much anymore with with people one on one because I just don't have the time for it anymore. But um, I used to get in conversations with anti-gun liberals and they would try to convince me how guns are the cause of, of all these problems. And and I would spend my time arguing with them and giving them facts and information. And um, it didn't help because they don't want to change their mind. They they want to believe what they want to believe, and unfortunately, that's that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. So so I don't spend the time one on one anymore. I would rather um, spend my time 
doing shows like yours where we can talk to many people and 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 get feedback from many people rather than you know the that one anti-gunner who's stuck in his ways and will never change anyway so um some of them you just can't change yeah that is definitely true some people that you can't change no matter what you do right and they're going to be uh, the way they are. Uh, the people we need to get to is the people that are on the fence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. Yeah. And there are some people on the fence. Um, I, you know, and people maybe don't know this about me, but I was on the fence. I was anti-gun at one time actually. And, and uh, I had, uh, I had somewhat of an awareness, somewhat of an awakening. And uh, I talk about that in, in the first book, good gun, bad guy book, uh, I talk about my transformation and, and what it caught, what it took for me to, to see the light and to see reality and not be so clouded by this fake, uh, anti-gun propaganda. So, you know, if I, if I can change, uh, I think, I think there are some people who can. What was, what was your awakening? Well, um, Okay, I mean, I, I'll give you the I'll give you the bullet points. I'll give you some. some so you don't have to go into like too deep, but you can give the bullet I'll, points. And if people want the, more information, they can read more in the book. I'll leave all the details for the for the book, but um, I'll I'll give you the basics. I was I was I was born into my you know my dad was a was a gun owner, so I was raised in a pro gun family. So we went hunting and target shooting things like that. I wasn't scared of guns. I, I knew how to use them when I was a kid. Um, but I went I. I I toured in rock bands for a good portion of my life. And um, I was hanging out with some people that maybe weren't so conservative, maybe weren't so pro-gun. Um, as a matter of fact, in some of my circles, there were some a lot of anti-gun liberals. And what happened was I started to take on those ideals, those, those thought processes. You know, we are, they say we are our environment. So who you know the people we we surround ourselves with we we end up being a being a byproduct of that when you're surrounded in that element like that liberal progressive uh, well in, in my case it was an anti-gun liberal kind of mindset and, and and surrounding you take that on and so that's what I did I started and I went anti-gun believe it or not even though I I shot guns with my dad but there was a, a an incident one night with my wife and I coming out of a late night movie theater in Albany, New York. Um, and it turned everything around because we had, we had a run in with, with this guy. And, and like I said, I won't go into any of the details, but it, as it turned out, we, we got out of the situation unharmed, but it was just enough for me to realize just how important it is to be able to protect myself, my wife and, you know, my son, so it it really um it really changed the way I thought about guns. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um that night, you know, changed just changed everything. And so I wrote an article called The Fear of Guns. And that got picked up by, you know, some websites and and that article, Fear of Guns, turned into the first chapter of Good Gun Bad Guy, the the very first book. And the rest of the book just kind of wrote itself as I started researching and um, looking into 
you know, all the all the stuff and learning about all this propaganda and understanding how I myself was was convinced uh, to fear guns, even when I had a knowledge of guns. It was it's just amazing. The propaganda has an amazing effect and the conditioning has an amazing effect on people uh, without them realizing it. And uh, so so that's so that was my transition uh, period, and and I look back, and and it's embarrassing, frankly. It's 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 embarrassing that I was ever um, that ignorant to gun ownership and that fearful of something, um, just because of the the way my environment was. And so, so that's kind of it, kind of it, basically. Um, but we we can change, you know, with with knowledge and with information and and often with experience, uh, we can we can change our thoughts and our beliefs. Yeah, um, my sorry, uh, my experience and the reason why I'm so pro gun is because when I was a kid, um, like less than a year old, my mom was home alone, and people out there have heard this story. But uh, she heard something and she went and looked and there was nothing there. And then she heard something downstairs and somebody broke in and it was a guy with a knife and everything else. My mom had a 32 uh, snub nose revolver. What what used to be called a Saturday night special. Uh, and uh, she told him to leave and he said, no, she said, if you take one more step, I'm going to shoot you. And he's like, no, you won't. Uh, and she had the courage to pull that trigger. And that's mm. the reason why I'm pro second amendment, because without the second amendment, I might not be here today. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing story. And man, good for your mom. She, she saved, and that's what parents should do. You know, it's, it, it's, it's disturbing when I hear people like, I, I know this one, this one guy in particular, uh, who, who is, you know, kind of an anti-gun person. And, um, you know, in one of our conversations, he said, well, I don't need a gun to protect my family. I, I'll use a nine iron. And I'm thinking to myself, how could you be so, how could you put your family at such risk to just to hold on to your anti-gun beliefs, just to hold on to that political posturing? It's really a shame and it's uh, and it's it's a disservice to your family and your loved ones. Uh, I think everyone who is inclined to own a gun should own a gun and be trained in how to use it uh, for the protection of themselves and their families. It, it, it's not rocket science. It's it's simple life preservation. Yeah, I want to take every advantage that I can, whether it's fair or not. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> fair or not, exactly. I'd rather have the advantage in a situation of someone coming into my house. Um, I would rather have an advantage. And I do, but um, some people don't, you know. Yeah. So Gorillas and Guns says that he would rather bring a nine. Uh, don't bring a nine iron to a gunfight. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the most ridiculous thing to to to. <sighs> Here's the the frustrating part, is that these these anti gun people they they believe that they believe that it's okay. They, they I've had people tell me if someone were to break into my house that that they would 
sit them down and have a conversation with oh, them. Oh, I I had the same thing. That's right. I, I will understand what's making them do what they're doing. <laughs> sure you will. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. And and these people really are stupid because they don't they don't see the reality of 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 the world out there. Here's an example. Um there, there are, well, how many people are there in the world? We know there's about well, somewhere over, but just about 320 million people are in, in America, rather. Yeah. About 323. I think now it's, it might be up to 320. It's just over 300 million people in America. But what people, most people don't know is that there are just over 1 million violent, you know, crimes, acts of violence. And, then, and this is documented stuff. This is the stuff we know about. But if you take those two numbers, 300 million people in America and one, one million uh, violent attacks per year in America, and you do some simple math, you realize that you have about a one in 300 chance of being a victim in a violent attack. And I don't like, I don't know about you, but I don't like those odds. One in 300 is not good odds. I would rather, I would rather not have those odds. So if those are my odds, one in 300 chance of being a, a victim of a violent crime, I'm, I'm going to have a gun and, or some way to protect myself. And I think a gun is probably the best way that we have uh, access to. Um, so, but, but the thing is people don't see that people don't recognize those, those true realities you know some people will say well i live in a good part of town and my you know so that means my odds are going to be you know less and, and that might be true but if your odds are less than one in 300 um that means somebody else's odds have to go up because the number of people in america didn't change and the number of violent crimes didn't change so what we end up doing, what, what the anti-gun crowd and the Democrats end up doing is they end up pushing all that, uh, all that risk into, uh, into specific corners of the country, cities, Chicago, like I said, Chicago, Newark, you know, uh, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, Detroit, D.C., some of the other violent cities. And they take that risk and they shift it to lower income, primarily lower income uh, areas of, of the country. Um, and those those people in some of those cities don't deserve it. Nobody deserves to be a victim uh, and, and be put at that that kind of risk. So so that's my point. Anyway, the point is um, we have about a one in 300 chance of being a victim in a violent attack. Yeah, that's not a statistic that I like. And no. if I'm in a violent attack, I want to have the means to fight back. The same person that that uh, accused the Mythbusters of being pro-gun propaganda also told me when I said, hey, you know, when I, I said, like, why? She asked me why I'm so pro-gun, and I told her the story about my mom. She's like, well how do you know that he was going to do something? Maybe he just wanted to feed his family. <laughs> you know, and maybe his family was hungry. 
<laughs> so my response was, uh, well, I guess he he made it a little bit easier for her family to eat because there's one less mouth to feed, and she didn't think that was too funny. <laughs> this is the mindset of the liberal progressive. They they have turned violent criminals into victims of society. In their mind, and you can thank the Democrats for this, they have made violent criminals victims. The, the perception is now their victims. And they have made honest, law-abiding gun owners the bad guys. And this is a shift of the narrative. And these liberal progressives, they believe it. They honestly feel sorry for bad guys for the for for the for the violent it, you have to you have to just shake your head because this is where the the real ignorance you know comes in it's just it's astonishing to me but they have been conditioned for decades now and this is a serious thing and you know they, um, they're talking about reprogramming you know conservatives it's it's the liberal progressives who need to be reprogrammed. They're the ones who have been subjected to this onslaught of of fake news propaganda and ideological just fake fake stuff. I, I don't even know how I don't even know how to describe. It. I'm at a loss for words on this. But um, to I, think to think that go ahead. I think it's ideological dishonesty. Okay, great, exactly. But they believe that stuff, and they really need to – if anybody needs to be reprogrammed, it's them. Yeah, uh, battle Krista, but it's okay for, for, for them to like walk over your corpse for, for bread. <laughs> and stand on the graves of, of children uh, who get killed in schools because of Joe Biden's Gun-Free School Zones Act. Did, did, I don't know if everybody knows this, but in 1990 – Joe Biden introduced the Gun-Free School Zones Act. And since then, uh, school killings have nearly doubled. And you can thank, you can thank uh, illegitimate Joe for that one. because, And then, and then what happens is the, the anti-gun groups like the Moms Demand will stand on, those, on the graves of those kids and say, we need more gun restrictions. Well, it's the gun restriction that got the kids and the teachers killed in the first place. It's the policies that the anti-gun left supports that gets these people killed. And, and, and this is the stuff that really needs to be talked about, um, but, but they won't. So, so they're, they're definitely the ones who take advantage of, of, gun-related deaths to push for more gun restrictions. Yeah, that is definitely true. Um, did you see who Joe Biden nominated for attorney general? Um, Merrick Garland, who, yes. who believes that only uh, that the Second Amendment only authorizes the country to form a militia, which is <laughs> the dumbest thing in the world. They love taking the Second Amendment. And and making it mean whatever they want it to mean. It's it's pretty pretty simple, but that's that's what you get from from the Democrats, and they're pushing for. And Joe Biden's list of gun restrictions is is pretty scary. It's a it's really destructive and really destructive to our Constitution. Oh, it's very destructive. And people always ask me why am I so hard on the Democrats? I was like because that's where all the anti gunners are. 
Yeah, that's where all the problems come from. We wouldn't have any of these problems if it weren't for Democrats. Our, our country would, would work so much smoother, so much easier. Our economy would be strong. We wouldn't have to deal with open borders and, oh, my gosh, so just some of the, uh, some of the stuff, he, killing the economy by stopping the Keystone Pipeline and just all the, just all the nonsense and now wanting to pack the courts just so they can always have their way on, on policies. It's, it's shameful. The, the Democrats will be the death of this country if we let them. And recently we've been letting them. Yeah. Why aren't the Republicans strong enough to stand up to them a lot of times? And I, I wish, I wish I knew, but I think we do have some strong Republicans I've been listening to not Rand enough. Paul. What's <laughs> not that? enough? Not enough. Not enough. Definitely not enough. You know, you, you're listening to Rand Paul lately, and and obviously, Ted, you know, Ted Cruz and and Jim Jordan. Some of these guys are really, you know, and it's what's really what's really interesting is you got Tulsi Gabbard on the Democrat side, who's actually talking like a like a like a Republican, and hey, we'll take it, you know. So we do have some of them, but then you got the Mitt Romneys who are just an absolute embarrassment. How can this guy talk the way he, the the way he does? And it's just, it's embarrassing, but some of these people don't really care about the country. I I think they just care about themselves and their, their kids and grandkids and and what they're going to, the wealth that they're going to build for, for their generations to come uh, in their personal families. They don't really care about the country they're going to leave to them as, but just I, maybe their own legacy. I'm not sure that I think everybody's probably got a different reasons, but um, uh, some of these Republicans are, are embarrassing. And I don't know many Democrats that, that I, that I like at all. I mean, Manchin, maybe he's, he seems to be somewhat reasonable. Tulsi Gabbard, somewhat reasonable. Yeah. Uh, talking about Rand Paul and the uh, far left and Ted Cruz and stuff. Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, AOC, and Rashida Tlaib all agreed on something today. What was that? And Elon Musk, too. That uh, Robin Hood, I don't know, Robin Hood app where it lets you buy stocks. You know, oh, what, okay. you know what shorting is? A hedge sure, fund. sure, yeah. Well, uh, a bunch of people, a bunch of like hedge funds bought 120% of the shares in GameStop to short yep. it. Yep. And they're in the Basically, they were pushing the stock down so they can make money. Well, 4 million people got together on Reddit and decided they were going to buy GameStop stock and just hold it, which basically costs hedge funds. Hedge funds, I I don't like hedge funds at all because I think they're kind of evil. (laughs) Because, you know, they do well when everyone else does bad right. in the country when the economy does bad. So they, so 4 million people on Reddit got together and they bought GameStop stock and basically like cost these hedge fund managers billions of dollars. Right. So Robinhood, uh, which was the app they were doing it on several other apps made it so you could sell GameStop stock, uh, GameStop stock, which, would make the stock go down, but you couldn't buy anymore. Uh, and so they did that at the behest of all these hedge funds managers. So Rand Paul, uh, Ted Cruz, and the far left came, they all came out and agreed with each other that 
wait a minute. They're not the ones manipulating the market. These right. hedge fund managers are the ones that are, that are manipulating the market. Right. And now that they can't get their way by manipulating the market, that, you know, you you, you got to let the free market play out. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then to come in and, and decide now what didn't the they were talking about you know controlling the 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 sales and and purchases of stock based on social media activity mm, i don't know that sounds like we're getting into a in, into more big daddy you know a big brother controlling uh the, you know the stock market now some of that stuff sounds a little crazy to me um, but I'm sure I'm sure I have a lot more to learn about that about that whole uh, about that yeah. whole process. But all these like uh, like brokerage houses are at the behest of these hedge fund managers, stopping people from buying stock. Yeah, GameStop stock, AMC stock, BlackBerry stock, and I, I don't think that's right. That's not free market right there. It's not. That that's the first thing that I thought when I said when I saw that. I was like, wait a minute, this isn't the way this is supposed to work. You're going to control what people can, what stocks they can buy and what they can't. That's, if anything is manipulating the market, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kermit Loves Bacon brings up uh, in Connecticut, they have two bills, uh, have a new bill for micro stamping mandates. Yeah. Hmm. That bill is micro stamping just doesn't work for one thing. Yeah, I you know the, I did some research back a while back, a couple of years ago, on micro stamping, and uh, sounds like a pretty expensive process. And um, you know, I, I I found I remember I was in a, a department store with my wife, and she was shopping, and I was kind of just wandering around, staring at the floor, you know. And um, I I found uh, I found a, a a casing for a twenty two a twenty two bullet casing and it was just on the ground. I mean, obviously somebody just dropped it out of their pocket or whatever. And I picked it up and put it in my pocket because I didn't want people to freak out and see a, a bullet casing. And I thought about it later. And I, and if, if there was micro stamping, you know, that could have led to a whole bunch of, police and all sorts of nonsense and and some guy or girl getting in a lot of trouble or at least getting harassed and by the police and everything um, because they may have dropped the 22 casing out of their pocket. So I could see a whole bunch of problems with that um, where you know good people are falsely accused or harassed or um, have a risk of losing their their firearms and all sorts of stuff. I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea either. You bring up the point about a 22 casing. In Britain, a couple of years ago, I saw an article on the BBC where they were talking about how they found a 22 casing on on the ground in uh, in London. And they had like the whole neighborhood like cornered off. They had like ropes up, and they had investigators. I'm like, oh, wow. And that and that has a lot to do with the the irrational fear that the left has created around guns. You know that that wouldn't have happened 20, 30 years ago. You know, 
it just wouldn't happen because people weren't scared. You know, I don't know what 30 now, well, maybe 40, maybe 40 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago, people would have, you know, rifles in the back windows of their pickup truck. And uh, nobody cared. I mean, it was just now put a rifle in the back window of your pickup truck and drive down the road. And, and you'll, people will lose their, they'll lose their minds because they've been conditioned to fear guns and irrationally fear guns. It's just a terrible, terrible uh, brainwashing that our, our left-wing media has been uh, per perpetuating on these people. Yeah. Gun websites uh, bring up the fact that 22 casings can get caught in your shoe and it treads out of your shoe very yeah. easily. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I'm sure that would freak someone out. Some people it would because they don't know any better. And so that's why when I saw the, the casing, I was like, I'm going to pick this up. Let's let's avoid the hysterics because I, I could I knew exactly what would have happened. You know, it would the place would have gone hysterical if somebody if the wrong person found that casing. Um, it's just irrational. It's it's it comes from an ignorant uh, viewpoint. Um, they just don't know any better. And and there, there's a lack of information, a lack of data that they have about guns. And then there's an, there's a whole bunch of faulty information that's implemented and put conditioned into these people um, to, to fear guns, a, fake, a lot of fake propaganda and that whole gun violence stuff and all that Wild West and and all that nonsense that's put in. So they take the they take the data, the real data out. They, they prevent them from getting real knowledge, and they insert fake gun propaganda. And that, that's how you create uh, an anti-gunner, a fearful, ignorant anti-gunner. Yeah, unfortunately, that's is what they do. They appeal to the emotional side, and it's easier yeah. to appeal to the emotional side of someone than the analytical side. Yeah. Which we have to work on. Where do you see the Second Amendment going in the next four years? Well, I think we're in for some battles. Um, I know in New York, uh, they're trying to, uh, some assemblywoman, let's see if I got her here. She's trying, just, I just wrote an article in uh, Daily Caller on this. Um what is her name? Why can't I remember her name? New York Assemblywoman Amy Paulin uh, is trying to pass, uh, get a bill passed that would create a 10 day waiting period for rifles and shotguns. And um, this is after a Nick's background check. Uh, she feels that, well, you need to wait another 10 days. So these are all these little types of bills that are going to be coming down the pike. Um, we know that by creating a waiting period, unnecessary waiting period for gun purchase, people have been killed. And there was a woman named Carol Bound who uh, who was killed by her, I guess, ex-boyfriend who was violent. And she, she actually had a restraining order against this guy. She called the cops. She went to get her pistol permit in Jersey, which is one of the worst states for gun ownership. And they had a 30-day waiting period uh, for a pistol permit. Well, 42 days later, she was killed by this guy. 
And they Jersey just decided that she didn't wait quite long enough. So this is one of the things, and they're gonna they're gonna probably try, you know, Joe Biden's gonna try assault weapons, so-called. I hate even using the term assault weapon because it's another made-up term by the by the Democrats. But that's another thing. Gonna try assault weapons bans. You know, we we had that '94. It didn't went 10 years, it sunsetted, it didn't do anything to stop violence, but yet they want to try it again. And any number of things. So so I think, where's the Second Amendment going? Well, the Second Amendment's not going anywhere, but we will be, um, we'll be tasked and we will be forced to defend it. And um, I think with, with great organizations like Gun Owners of America, um, w- I think we will... Uh, will rise above and we will defeat um, these anti-American, anti-freedom, uh, anti-gun communists. I, th- I think we'll defeat them. Yeah, I think we have a big battle on our hands. And the battle starts right now with the Senate. We have to put pressure on Manchin not to kill the filibuster. That's right. Filibuster is a big deal. Exactly. Yep. And so... Uh, they're going to try. They want to kill that filibuster because if, the, if they can kill the filibuster, all they need is a 51% majority in the Senate. And that's easy for Democrats to do because they can strong arm their colleagues and they can put leverage on them and they can, you know, do all their all their tactics and shame them and, and threaten them and do whatever they need to do to get people to vote uh, vote their way. Uh, so getting 51 percent in the in the Senate is, won't be impossible for them uh, and they'll do whatever they can, just like we saw what they'll do, whatever they can in the general election. And they'll do whatever they can uh, in in future gener- uh, you know, future elections to, to get their way. Uh, so the filibuster is very important. It protects um, it protects people who who aren't in the majority um, from being subjected to. Um, laws that are unfair. And what, I, what I always say is uh, it, it, it protects, along with the Electoral College, they both protect the minority, the minority from the tyranny of the majority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you think that the left likes to protect minority groups because they talk, you know, they're always out there trying to protect other minority groups. But uh, if you're a conservative and you're in the minority, well, then you're not, uh, they, they don't want to protect you. So very hypocritical, these, these people on the left. Uh, so. Yep. Uh, we've been on for about an hour. I'm going to give you the final word. Let me just do my final plugs. And I am going to start with a great organization called Tusk. Have you heard of Tusk? Have I heard of Tusk? Uh, yeah, Tusk. I think I have. Not Tusk, Tusk. Tusk, like yes. USC. Yeah, yeah it's a great it's a it's a it's a great cryptocurrency made for the gun industry three second processing times and i will display the commercial proudly sponsored by tusc the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind with three second processing times it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet. With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards. It's perfect for your e-commerce needs. Four gun guys 
by gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. All right, I'm just going to wrap this up really quick. You can find me on Patreon, patreon.com slash John Crump. Go to my website, crumpy.com. And you can also follow me on, um, oh, yeah, blackswantactical.com. Use code crumpy for 10% off. You can also follow me at Real John Crump on IG um, and Ant Minds and all that other great stuff. And with that said, I'm going to give the final word over to Dan. Thank you for coming on, Dan. Oh, thanks, John. I really appreciate it. You got a great show. And um, any anytime, I'm, I'd love to love to come on again. Uh, people can find me at goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com. Uh, you can find the book series there. And um, I'm writing for a lot of different publications, Ammo Land and, and Daily Caller and, and all sorts of different um different um, publications. Uh, I also have a podcast webcast called the loaded Mike uh, MIC Mike is MIC loaded Mike. And you can find that at loadedmike.com. Um, so, so that's it, but, but pretty much everything can be found at goodgunbadguy.net. All right. That, that works for me. All right, guys, I will see you guys uh, next uh, Monday, I believe. Yeah, Monday, we're going to have uh, some guests like Reno Mae going to come on the show and some other uh, people. And uh, so I'll see you in a little bit. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, everyone out there, I want you to stay ever vigilant, stay ever free, keep in the fight, and I am out. <laughs>